up a powerful story? I'm Mary DeMuth, and in this podcast, I share stories of everyday people who remind you that you're not alone as you untangle your own story. Because of the outrageous generosity of God, I believe you can experience a joyful restory moment right now. Remember, the old is gone, the new awaits. The Restory Show starts now. Hey everyone, welcome to this special bonus edition of the Restory Show. This show is sponsored by the Restory Conference, so it's all working together. You can find out more at RestoryConference.us. Uh, it will be held September 16th from 8.30 in the morning to 1 in the afternoon at Lake Point Church in Rockwall, Texas. Uh, we have a whole new lineup of speakers as well as a whole new um, series of messages. And I would just ask if you'd be willing to stick the Restory Conference on your prayer list this year. This is the second year of the conference, and it has been a crazy hard year for me. I feel like there's been spiritual attack on every single side. So if you would just be willing to put my name or the Restory Conference on your prayer list, I would greatly appreciate it. It's been kind of a crazy ride. So anyway, in this bonus episode, I want to share some stories from last year's Restory Conference, as well as give you a teaser for what's going to happen this year. And also stay tuned to the end of the show, because at the very end, I'm going to give you a uh, special code to get a pretty significant discount on your ticket. So this is just for Restory Show listeners. And so if you would like a friend to have this discount, if you could just share the episode with them so they could at least kind of know what's going to happen to them, what's going to happen to them, what's going to happen at the Restory conference for them. So anyway, uh, sorry about all my bumbling talking today. It's been kind of another crazy day. So our first person we're going to hear from was from last year's Restory Conference. It's Chris Berkeley, and he has this to say. For us, it was our baby, and I didn't care. Uh, But for some that saw, it was a gruesome sight, but it was a little hat that he could wear that covered up some of the brokenness that he exhibited. And so we spent about six hours with him that day and our families came in and held him and loved on him and took pictures. And uh, it was some moments like that, that I guess when you talk about a piece that passes understanding, those were moments we had for six hours that day um, that I, ex- I expected chaos out of both me and Megan to be sitting there with a little baby that we'd lost but it was just, it was right. And even in that sense that he didn't come to this world alive for a few minutes, we look back on that now and go, it was perfect. The way that it was, it was perfect. It was peaceful. We didn't have to listen to, you know, what might've been him taking his last breath that he right. came out already at peace and already here we go. It was a little shell of his body because we know that he was with the Lord at that moment. Um, so there was something to be said for even God's timing in that, that we thought he was going, Lord, do you even know what you're doing? Which, of course, he did, um, that he knew exactly what he was doing to help us begin the process already of restoring our story and putting us back together in those moments. So we spent about six hours with him, uh, made the choice that we wouldn't continue because as as the six hours progressed, coloring went away. Things that you have a little baby that didn't make it. And so the the longer we took with him, the worse he could his little body would look. And so we had even talked that night about, should we get him back from the, because they said, you can call and we'll bring him back to you anytime. The hospital was great. Um, the nursing staff was great. Um, but we just made the decision to say, you know what? That's not him anymore. He's yeah. He is complete and he's restored in heaven with Jesus. And we don't need to continue seeing a more um, broken little body. We know exactly what he was and we're going to cherish that time. Um, and so that was it. We didn't, we didn't ask for him back. A funeral home in Sunnyvale took him and had him cremated. And then um, we had some an aunt and uncle that said, hey, we want to fly you out of town. Where do you want to go? And 
uh, Hawaii is just that place to us that's a safe spot. We know it. We didn't have to think about it. So um, about a month after we delivered Asher, we took his ashes and spread it in some significant spots um, in in Hawaii um, that were significant to me and Megan prior to this and that are now even more. And so that uh, by no means did that wrap our story with Asher, um, but I, I, I would say that story will never be wrapped. Right. Um, we will always feel the pain. And there's, um, there, are, there are some who go, okay, so are you over this now? <laughs> and I'm like, I don't think you quite understand it. This was a baby that we lost. Mm-hmm. And yes, I know we never held him as a living little child, but this was a baby that for 31 weeks, Megan felt him kicking and moving and uh, he was alive just as much as any of us are alive. He just only lived 31 weeks. Um, and so it was those moments when people ask, are you over? I go, I will never be over him, nor do I want to be. Um, that, that what, what a shame it would be for me to walk through life not having been changed by this little baby's story and this little boy's moments that God gave us. Next, we're going to hear from Vonda Vestal. And her story really hit home with me, this beautiful idea of surrendering everything to Jesus and and just take note at the way that God so beautifully intersected her life. And it also was kind of scary too. So uh, stay tuned and here's Vonda. And you know, and I know the Bible and I know the word, I just wasn't living it and living the lifestyle I was living, you know, moving really fast. And, and I had a daughter at the time, of course, Faith was about four years old and I was doing my usual routine, getting ready to go out, you know, and, and I was quickened and, and and, and it, it caught me in my in my in my steps as I was getting ready and I was doing my normal thing. And it was a quickening of my heart. And it was like, Vonda, you are not going to make it to see your child grow up. Whoa. That was enough for me to say, huh? You know, you got my attention. Hmm. And I just remember looking at Faith and being terrified that she wouldn't have me. And that moment i i said okay i'm no more running i won't run anymore i'm tired of running and if you give me this opportunity i'm going to i'm going to run for you and i'm going to it's going to be real it's not going to be any more fake and i'm not just going to show up at church and i'm not just going to look the part but i really want to be the part and and that's what happened and i went in my bedroom and i fell on my knees i closed my door i fell on my knees and i just asked god to cleanse me and give me a new heart and give me a new walk and give me a new way of living and just and make it real for me. And from that moment on, I've been living in that um, in that moment, just making sure it was real. Hope Harris has an amazing story, and she shared it last year at the Restory Conference. This is her talking about the importance of community when you're healing from some sexual brokenness. Tell me a little bit about the good relationships that God has placed in your life over the past several years that have kind of just walked alongside you as you've navigated your new life. I know that that's had a profound impact on you. So share a little bit about that. Yeah. And uh, I mentioned a ministry called Living Hope here in the DFW area, and that's really been a key path for me to take. I have, it's not an ex-gay ministry. It really is for people pursuing Christ and sexual and relational wholeness. And um, one of the things that 
I heard over and over again in the people that were finding healing, moving forward in their relationship with Jesus was that they had healthy community around them. And they had people that cared enough to speak truth in their life and run beside them. And so I began to build that, especially when I moved from East Texas to Dallas. Um, I emerged myself in a church and in a small group atmosphere that three and a half years ago became part of my weekly routine. And almost daily we text. And I discovered that while I may not have all that much in common with straight women, which I really actually do, which was a new discovery for me, I still can pursue healthy relationships with women. And that has been the biggest blessing to me. And having accountability people that understand the challenge that it is before you to shift in your ideals about relationships and how you relate to men and women and to support you when you're down and when you're struggling or when you're tempted and to just simply say little things like, hey, instead of taking a trip to stupid land, why don't you just go home? Now we're kind of switching gears to uh, who's going to be featured on the stage this year at the Restory Conference. The first is Anna LeBaron, and she grew up in a polygamist cult. So a crazy story, but this is kind of what she has to say about finding healing. There's 0% of the fathers who are perfect out there other than our Heavenly Father. And so we all have some grief in some ways. So as we wrap this up, what kind of advice would you give to somebody who has that kind of complicated grief? What, what helped you? What helped me was one reaching out and, and receiving offers of help. It wasn't until a friend saw the distress that I was in emotionally offered to make me an appointment with a counselor and then offered to take me or babysit my kids. And, you know, she could see that distress and, and what, and she was a real friend and said, you need care. And then me receiving that care. And so asking for help or receiving help, whichever way it works, pursuing it, finding it, and then, and then leaning in, leaning into the hard places and, and allowing your heart to, crack open and let out some of that grief that's kind of bottled up and pent up and pushed down. One of the things that I've learned is that uh, a saying that's um, from Bob Hamp says, the opposite of depression isn't happiness. The opposite of depression is expression. If you're holding something in and holding it down and bottling it up inside, there's depression. That's like the actual literal definition of depression. And then when you, when that, when those experiences find expression, either with a trusted friend or a counselor. Next, we have Heidi Van Dyken, and she shares a little bit of a story about a boy who needed some rescuing and and just how the whole restory process this year, we're talking about in the restory show about restoring your relationships. And so This is a very fundamental one from an adult child, and I know some of you listening can really relate to just your own relationships with your children or your parents above you. 
Casa Esperanza, which is a house, a home for um, moms and their kids who don't have anywhere else to go, whether they're coming out of spousal abuse or literally just don't have a house to live in, a roof over their head or anything like that. And that's where we met this little boy. Um, he was living there with his mom. And the only thing I remember about him is when my husband and I would be there, my, my, my husband is kind of their Mr. Fix-It. We'd show up once a week and everything that's broke, he'd try to fix it for him. And this little boy would come out of, you know, if he was done with kindergarten or whatever, he'd come out and just grab your hand and walk with you. And um, that's that's really the only thing I remember about him. And then I remember not seeing him anymore. And um, about a year and a half later, I was talking to my friend who's the U.S. missionary there. And she said, oh, man, this is going on for this little boy. His mom and her boyfriend decided to be smuggled to the U.S. to enter the U.S. illegally. And she was called excited that she found an orphanage that would take him. And I said, well, do you know anything about this orphanage? And she said, no, and nobody will say anything about it. And that's not a good sign because in Mexico, they will sue you for slander at the drop of a hat. And so nobody will say anything bad. If it's bad, they won't say anything. If it's good, they'll tell you all the good stuff about it. But if they won't tell you anything about it, that's not a good sign. And I I don't know what overcame you, but I told Mike, I said, we need to do something. He goes, well, what do you mean we need to do something? He, are you, you know, I said, we need to do something. This little boy needs to be safe. And he goes, well, what does that mean? Are you saying he needs to come live at our house? I said, no, he's not. Need, I'm saying he needs to come live at our house. We don't, you know, what I'm saying is we have friends who have, um, operate a Christian based orphanage. And I said, we need to call this them and say, see if they have room, ask them, what are our options? And so we called and talked to them and they said, you know, if the mom will meet with us and agree to leave them with us, we will make room, whatever needs to happen. And so the mom met with them and she agreed to leave them there. And it was actually the pastor of their church who let him live in their house for the first few months until they had an open bed in their orphanage. And so after he'd been in the orphanage, not quite a year that first Christmas, we'd found out that, you know, his mom hadn't left any winter coat or anything for him like that. So when we had been in the States uh, visiting family for Christmas, we picked up a winter coat. And when we returned to Mexico, we took it to him and gave him a winter coat. And then we didn't see him for a couple months. And the orphanage that he was at is the type where the parents are still involved in their kid's family. They either literally don't have a house or they may have a house, but they don't have a room or the money to feed and care for and and have their kids go to school. And so this orphanage takes in these kids, and they stay with them during the week, and they get fed three meals a day. They they get to go to school, and they have all those needs taken care of. And then on the weekends, they would go back home with their parents. And, well, um, the little boy's mom was still in Mexico, and one weekend she didn't show up to pick him up. and. Out of the blue, he asked the director, well, will, will Mike come get me, <laughs> my husband? And she said, well, let's call him. And so we got this phone call from this little boy who didn't speak any English. And the director, she swears that she tried to teach him to say in English, you can come see me. But what came out was, come get me. And last, we have Matt Arnett, and he tells a story that I think is super inspirational, especially in today's world where we tend to lose friendships based on political views or religious views, and he, how he's learned to navigate a difference of opinion with a close friend. 
Hey everyone, it's Mary and I'm here with Matt Arnett and he is going to be one of our speakers at the ReStory conference coming up. And Matt, uh, thanks for just taking a quick moment to share a story with me. I really appreciate it. Sure, it's great to be here. Um, So let's talk a little bit about one of the relationships that you've had that has experienced some restoring. Sure, yeah. Whenever I was in college, my best friend in college and I, uh, we were so close and always together. And that's just really one of those relationships that God gifted me with that, you know, you get hopefully we'll get to be a friend for life. And so just immediately we we hit it off and um, we're really close roommates. And then uh, after we graduated, we kind of started going just different directions um, in life. God took us directions across the country, different places and and to different seminaries. And, and as we were studying, uh, we kept in communication. But one of the things that uh, started happening was um, just influences from different backgrounds and theologies and uh, and probably a bit of our own pride kind of started dividing our relationship. We just saw ourselves going different ways, believing different things, and that and that really started to break down um, our relationship, our friendship, the distance made it more difficult. And so uh, it became something that was really hard, uh, really hard for us. And uh, over the those few years right after college, um, just was a real challenging thing. And, and so one of the, over the last couple of years, one of the things that God has really been doing as, um, as we've seen ourselves go and be used in ministry in different places is God's brought us back around to each other and helped us to see the importance of choosing to love, choosing uh, to be humble, seeing, seeing the way that God is working in our different ministries and, and through us and, and is really using the global church to uh, to bring people to Him, and so that looks different, uh, and it you know it, it feels different and seems different, but um, but God is using us, and so uh, really in the last couple of months, especially, we had an opportunity to get together in in Dallas and spend some time together and really ask for forgiveness of each other, um, and and just enjoy and and share that sweet time and. And see that even though there are some things that might look different uh, in the the you know the way that we're doing ministry and living our lives, um, God is using the church, and, uh, and so it's been a really beautiful opportunity for us to to regain that friendship. I re- I really appreciate that because the the days that we live in right now are very polarized. You know, one of the one of the things that I I've really learned um, over the last few years is that we all have bias. We all have lenses that we see the world through, whether that's theologically or relationally, politically. And just because someone sees the world through a different lens does not necessarily make them wrong. It it might just be different. And so there are some things where there's a clear right and wrong, and we need to address those, but we can do that in a loving way. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Restory Show, a bonus episode. And if you would like to get that discount, you can go to restoryconference.us and there's a little video there that you can see about what happened last year. Also, just keep in mind that this year's conference, it has a focus of relationships. So the whole idea is uh, how can you restory your relationships? We're going to look at restoring broken friendships. Uh, We're also going to talk about relationships within the church, which can be really hard, especially if they go sour, and also our family relationships. 
And so I have been praying all year long for this conference and uh, asked other people to pray as well. And of course, I asked you at the beginning of this episode to pray, but God's just been putting some new building blocks in my own life and uh, also thrown some trials my way in the relational arena so that I could come to this conference broken but also dependent on God. And so I, when I say I'm broken, it's more like not broken beyond repair, but broken in a sense that I'm leaning on the Lord because I sometimes there are some relationships where you just cannot figure your way through. Got an email today from a listener who is broken in her marriage and she said something pretty profound. She's like, I don't know what to do. All I can do is pray and I don't know how to change him. And so I think a lot of us that are listening to this episode have a relationship in our life like that, where we're just desperate for that person to change. And all we really can do is just pray and we can ask God to change our own hearts and our own perspective of the situation or to give us better empathy or to have the discernment on when to walk away and when to approach. It's a minefield out there, right? Uh, But I do believe that Jesus gives us the answers to our relational difficulties, and not in a Band-Aid and not in a panacea in a way that, oh yes, I'm done and I'll never have relational heartache again. That's one of the one of the confirmations that you're living on this earth is that you are willing to engage. And if you are willing to engage, you will experience relational brokenness. And so that's been my heart this year is just to help people through that. I get lots of emails about it. I pray for a lot of people about it. I pray in person about it. And really, if you look at all the things that give you stress, I would say that that relational piece is probably the number one piece. So now for that discount code, uh, normally the Restory Conference is a $50 ticket, but if you use the discount code PODCAST as you check out from RestoryConference.us, you will get a $15 off discount. Again, that is PODCAST, P-O-D-C-A-S-T, And that's a $15 off the ticket. So your ticket then becomes $35. So again, if you want to bless a friend and uh, bring a friend with you and you want them to have a discount, then just share the show with them. Thank you so much. And mind if I pray for you. Lord Jesus, I do pray for those listening today who are walking through relational heartache and can't see their way out. I pray for that person who emailed me today, and I pray for her marriage, and I pray that you would make a way through where there seems no other way. And even if not, Lord, I pray you would build her up and help her to endure what is seemingly an impossible situation. And so, Lord, I also pray for my listeners today who feel the weight of that impossibility of, oh my goodness, it will never change. This prayer has been prayed a hundred times without seemingly any answers. Lord, I pray this week that you would bring encouragement, very specific them-shaped encouragement in this one difficult relationship. And Lord, would you lift our eyes above what's going on and help us instead to see things from a from an eternal perspective to realize that our battle is not against flesh and blood against other people but it's against the principalities help us to battle on the right level and help us to hold our tongues and help us to forgive and help us to to rest in you and help us to realize that you will redeem those relationships eventually in heaven but lord on earth we suffer and i just give you my own relational brokenness and i i lift up the brokenness of everyone in this listening to this this show today would you just take it Would you take the burdens, Lord? We're carrying some heavy friendship and family and church-related burdens, and we need to let them go. And Lord, instead of trying to control everyone and everything, we just choose right now in this moment to relinquish that control 
and place it on your heavenly, amazing shoulders that can shoulder any burden. Forgive us for carrying way too many burdens this week and help us to see with new perspective the things that you would like to do in our relationships. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.